2: Oh,
0: celtic stuff live Celtics Media Day, Brad Stevens' Beastie Boys are coming home, and they're not the only ones. The Dr. Dre to my Easy e the Paul Pierce to my Kevin Garnett, the Lone Ranger to my Tonto is back in the saddle again. John Duke, welcome back, my friend. Welcome
1: back. I'm I'm glad to be back. What an entrance, my man! That's that's outstanding. I can tell you've been you've been sharpening your 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 tools uh, through the summer months, and um, it's you've been a great you've done an absolute outstanding job talking with a lot of the folks in in, in, in and around the Celtics media area, and uh, loved listening to that. But I just I couldn't sit in the sidelines any longer. The t- the season is here. I'm ready to go. Tomorrow, everybody's gonna be talking. There's things happening. Guys are actually playing basketball. Week later, there's going to be games to watch. Man, it's here. I love it, baby. Woo-hoo!
0: Yeah, I really missed it. I'm glad we had the off-season interview series. It just kept me, like you said, just kind of in the game and and doing something that I thought was really interesting. And we are going to keep the off-season interview series going through this preseason. So everybody will be getting Monday shows from you and I, and then we'll have a couple more off-season interview series we are actually going to be doing one with Chad Finn. We've already recorded with Eric Weiss. Those will be the next two that listeners will be getting. Then we're going to hook up with uh, our good friend, Mark Spears, followed by a little bit of a retro interview to close out the preseason. Earl Lloyd's interview from, I think it was 2009 maybe, but uh, it might have been 2010. I've got to go back and, and clean up the audio and get it situated. But we are going to hear that interview again because that one was really probably one of the most precious interviews that I think that we ever did on Celtics stuff live.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, we talked to talk about what the here and now and, and what was beautiful about having a chance to talk with a, a guy who accomplished so much, not just in the game of basketball, but in our society as Earl Lloyd and, and to, to really have a chance to to talk about that and talk about how basketball changes society and when we had JB was with us at that time of course and and really having a great great time there it was good 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 it was a good opportunity for us to talk about uh, the bigger world that we live in it's not just about you know (laughs) trading this draft pick and doing you know this and that as we're all seeing in the the larger political world we're all living in as well there there are bigger fish to fry than, than basketball sometimes and it was great to be able to to tie those two things together with Earl Lloyd here um, now. several you know, especially several years ago. where
0: we are right now, I mean, look at the, the riots in, in North Carolina and just the things yep. that are happening, not only uh, societally speaking, but even politically. It's become such a core of some of the political debate. It's really interesting. But I will say, and again, just to tee up this Earl Lloyd interview, but he, he really is one of the reasons that Kevin Garnett could have said this. Anything's
2: possible. Anything's possible!
0: One of our... One of our favorite quotes from from two thousand and eight. Anything's possible. And apparently, in hindsight, it was sort of a, a botched maybe, uh, commercial statement for for some product. I know there's there's reports of that out on the internet. But when he did that, I had chills. I just remember being at the garden watching that on the jumbotron, and absolutely losing it. And going back home and watching that over and over on my DVR. But you know, that's what that whole season was for me. And I think we got to take a Couple of minutes, and just give KG his due because if you remember, I had all my my spooky, uh, you know, fantastical number seventeen, and you know they won it on June seventeenth, and it was a seventeenth championship, and there was all those all those tie-ins for me, so I already kind of felt weird about it, and, and it hadn't even barely been a year. Since we had gotten access into the locker room, which was a big focus of sort of the off-season interview series, was the emergence of online media and how everybody kind of took different paths. Danny LaRue was another interesting one for that series. But Kevin Garnett, when he said anything's possible, he was talking my language. Because if you had asked me 18 months before if there was any way that I thought I'd be interviewing Kevin Garnett, after the championship and we'll play a clip um because at the i asked him the last question of his post-game interview after banner 17 was raised if you asked me if i had any shot of that happening let alone be in a movie that that uh chronicled the efforts i would have told you you were nuts all right so let's play this clip from from kevin garnett and that interview Hi, Kevin, uh, Justin Bullen from Celtics Blog. Um, to say that this win was convincing would be a gross understatement. Um, can you talk about the lift that you get from the Boston fans and just how important it was to win it at home?
2: Since the day I came here, man, um, Adidas put this, uh, this, this this poster board out in the front to sort of, you know, invite me to the city or whatever. And it, I mean, it has like over 100,000 signatures on it. I mean, people was Got like signatures, just this size on it And you can read it And since day one man Paul told me that This city is unlike any other city When it comes to sports And you give them a reason They will jump on And they will be behind you Even when you're losing Or even when you're going through tough times And I got to see that You know <clears throat> I thought I played in front of some good crowds And um, you know Boston has a special place I'll be federally linked to this city And I'm, and I'm more than grateful for that and you've seen the I Remember commercial? Absolutely. It's one of my favorites. Not only do you watch that much TV, only family guy. And I think that's it. <laughs> Congratulations. So I've seen that. But thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, there it is. And I just love his appreciation for the fans. And that I Remember commercial, John,
1: that mm-hmm. still gives me goosebumps when I go back on YouTube and watch it. Totally. Every time something of note happens with Kevin Garnett, I run to YouTube, I type in, I remember KG, I copy and paste the link, I put it in Twitter, and my mentions just go blah 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 boop, boop, Because everybody, everybody loves that thing. Because it, it strikes. We all remember. It's been 10, it, it's been almost 10 years. This coming summer, it'll be 10 years since that deal. And we can all remember. We. It's like... You know, it, it was it was a watershed moment for the for Boston Celtics fans. We all remember exactly where we were the moment we heard that deal went down, and we all did crazy things like the people it in that so ad. It was so
0: predictive, too. You know, I mean, well, totally. who it was it was saying this is the goal. And what's a I know we were all hoping for more championships, but the yeah. fact that they did it that first year, and we got to experience Gino, and every time on the jumbotron when they got ready, we hear this KG roar and it's just you know the energy from that man is incredible it's it's all consuming i mean i almost think that he and we don't know this for sure but he must have garnered the most respect out of Rajon rondo because he was so undeniable yeah so john um what do you want to say? I know Danny H. had some nice quotes, but remember remember KG down in the Cobra pose? I mean, we can just go through so many moments.
1: Yeah, I mean we can we can run through <laughs> you and I could probably sit here and spend three hours going through all the different things we remember from Kevin Garnett. I mean I, I think first of all, I was I was able to use the credentials the opening night of KG and Ray Um, that was the first night that actually I think I used them individually without anybody else there. And what an experience to be around that situation, right? I mean, the the opening of that, not knowing what could happen. I remember looking around the the, the media room, seeing all the guys, seeing Bob Ryan who questioned whether or not the team would, would actually do that well with just Garnett, Pierce, and Allen, and who knows what could happen behind them. I remember being there that night. I remember being there the night that they they lost the only game that the home game they lost in the uh, in the playoffs was uh, to to the Detroit Pistons Eastern Conference Finals. I was there for that. That was, I mean, that 2008 year was so so extraordinary because of where we'd been, where we were. But that's just the that's just like the first chapter. I mean, it really it does a disservice to Garnett's time here to only focus on 2008. Even 2009, sitting there watching him on the bench, his knee can't play, devastating for the Celtics' chances. Obviously, would have been, a, a, I think, a favorite to to repeat as as NBA champions if he had been healthy. They were better in 09 than they were in 08, and he's sitting there on the bench, a mammoth series against the Chicago Bulls. We, you know, we were covering, we were talking about it here on the show. What a, what a season. And he is just so in their face on that bench. I still remember him doing the walking fingers as people, as the guys were walking. It was just a, it was otherworldly. You know, I mean, L trying to, or 10, trying to drag him through on that, you know, that knee still not back. I mean, how, how do you put into like an hour podcast? All that was Kevin Garnett and what he meant to the Boston Celtics and the Boston Celtics fans. It's impossible, Justin. It's
0: completely impossible. I just, I am so fond of KG and his particular uh, approach to the game and everything else. And we don't have to belabor it because I know it is Celtics Media Day and we have players to get excited for and maybe some position battles and we're going to break it all down. But we just had to give 10 minutes. To Kevin Garnett because he changed the fortune I mean really without the Kevin Garnett trade Danny Ainge still would have been on the hot seat for quite a while and I know he would have gotten it done and I think a lot of people oh what's the plan what's Danny's plan and there was a lot of sarcastic reference to that but the truth is is that Danny was putting it all together and he pulled it off and I think if you're patient you'll pull it off this turnaround
1: has been absolutely fantastic Absolutely, I mean his legacy not only is what he did, but what his departure left this team and and the opportunities it has provided them here. I, look, you're right. I mean we we couldn't do it justice here in ten minutes. We could go on for a long time. I think that the one thing that should be said: this is a guy who was a mold breaker. This is a guy who changed the NBA. He doesn't have the rings that Kobe has. He doesn't have the rings that uh you know Tim Duncan has. He's never gonna he doesn't have the MVP awards of either one of those guys. But here's what he had. He was the first guy to really break the mold about coming out as a as a high school player. That Maybe there wouldn't be a Kobe Bryant in that way if, if Kevin Garnett doesn't come out a year earlier and see some success. He's the first guy to get a huge, and I'm talking about a huge contract in such a way that breaks the CBA down. Really, the ripple effects really we're still feeling to this day in terms of max contracts. And, and so he sets the bar for that on that high max salary. And then three, he really sets the tone for what became this, you know, super friends era. Now, there's, there was some criticism about that on Twitter on Friday about saying, well, you know, that, you know, he created this and that's a little overblown because obviously it wasn't about being super friends. It was about having a chance to win. I think there's a huge distinction between what the Celtics did and what the conspiring years beforehand between Bosch, Wade, and LeBron, uh, in, in Miami or, or what we saw most recently with KD, your pal, and, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> My pal, I can see great. how we're setting the stage for this season.
1: I mean, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. But you know, there's, there's, there's just no comparison there. So three, the three, I'd say three, of the biggest things, that in the last 20 years, Ken and the respect Duncan is going to get and deserves, or that Kobe Bryant is going to get and deserves. Uh, it's 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 unbelievable that we've gone that this could uh we've gone this far without him it's a it's it's gonna be quite quite an NBA without Kevin Garnett
0: yeah it really is gonna be um, and and the whole class that's gonna go in the Hall of Fame together um, it's gonna be very uh <laughs> Very very i don't know it's just it is it's an impact it's the it's an end of an era and with with Tim duncan and Kobe and Garnett all going out it's a really mark in time. I think Paul Pierce is still going to stick it out one more year, but real quick, just a reminder to all of the listeners you can follow Celtic stuff live on twitter at c s l underscore tweet live as well as your host that's me at c s l underscore Justin, and my co-host, who is back on the show at CSL underscore Duke, as well as the entire CLNS Radio Network at CLNS Radio. Don't forget the the uh, interaction on our Facebook page is really picking up for the entire CLNS Radio Network, facebook.com forward slash CLNS fans. Don't forget to download our app for iOS and Android. Just search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace. And finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash CLNS Radio, has high-definition, full-length locker room your interviews, and the Garden Report coming right back to you with Jared Weiss. We're really excited to get that all kicked off again this season and um, just some really great content. And I, I love Jared. He's going to get on this show for sure.
1: I, that's great. I mean, because Jared is so great. We love having him here. Uh, you know, he, he really, as an interview series, and you really kind of laid it out with him this summer. And if you haven't listened to that, folks, you really need to go back and listen to Jared. He really changed the game when it talks about covering the team with both audio and visual bringing YouTube in, and so everyone across, not just across Celtics Nation, but across the NBA, across the world, can sit there and watch these videos.
0: All right, so let's get into this, you know, media day is kind of a day where everybody just comes out, they get a bunch of pictures, the NBA puts up all the photos of, of everybody in their jersey posing with balls and making faces, and you know, it's a, it's a silly but enjoyable <laughs> time. The media comes out in droves and gets their interviews, and we get the primer, and everything's, you you know, this is going to really be Al Horford's day for the most part, and we'll get all kinds of, of quotes about, you know, what do you expect the impact to be, what's your leadership going to be like in the locker room, and, and all of that is going to be coming out. But really, you know, and I don't mean this in a negative way at all, but media day is a fluff day, and uh, but it's a great day to get yourself all juiced up again. I remember media day, you mentioned going to the first game. And uh with in the Big Three the new Big Three era and I remember going to Media Day in the new Big Three era and remember the team was miserable the year before and we had no idea that they would even continue to to honor our credentials. It was it was really a surprise and I was very grateful for that. And then all of a sudden I'm in the room and I remember I went up and interviewed James Posey and I was like, James Posey do you think that you could bring something like a Robert Ory veteran leadership? And James Posey looks at me and goes, why not James Posey?
1: <laughs> like, don't compare me to another
0: player, rookie. It was so funny. He really nailed me on that one. It was classic.
1: I love Media Day. <laughs> I love Media Day. I love the abuse I got one time. No, yeah, no, I, I agree with it. It's good fun though, because like you know, I love watching the the stream that that uh, Celtics dot com has, and we can see all of our friends on there covering everybody, talking to everybody, see how seriously everyone's dressed. Are they are they wearing the shorts? Are they wearing the cutoffs? Are they dressed? You know, putting the suit on. Uh, it's it's good fun, and you know, you do get a sense of you know who these guys are. I mean, let's look at look at. Last media day, Jared Sollinger, you know, there was all that talk about, okay, well, he's working out and he's done this and that, and he looked exactly the same as he did the year before, which really, I think, set the tone for where he where he's going to be this media but day. But he was
0: in better condition. He may have not been slimmed down, but he was in better condition. The problem for Toronto is he basically said before this offseason, he couldn't imagine himself doing that all, all that work again.
1: But but the point was is the, the idea was he was going to come in with a changed body. He may have been in great better condition, but certainly the Celtics weren't impressed with what he had done. And I think it did pay off for him. I think he had a better year. But in the end, you know, there's a reason why they moved on from him, and the fact that they could that. Uh, I think uh, Steve Pet had it. In fact, in one of his articles, talking about the fact that uh, <laughs> J, uh, John Lucas, who he worked out with that summer, said he wouldn't do it again. He wouldn't work right, out. Right? Exactly. With it. He wasn't even gonna. He wasn't gonna put the time in. And boy, that's uh, talk about an indictment. <laughs> Yikes.
0: It's an incredible so, indictment because look at Zeller, who patiently waited at the end of the bench all through the season. Then he patiently waited throughout the entire free agency period and was ultimately rewarded. But the, but Jared Sullinger doesn't come back. And you got to think that if the Celtics really wanted him to come back, they would have. But he has way more upside. And i not he 's not that much younger than Zella Zeller, but you would have thought he had way more upside if it, there was a time when we thought he was going to be a lottery pick, and then it was like, "Oh, he fell to the celtics that 's a really good sign for us that could that could be a uh low risk high reward scenario, and it still could be for the Raptors, but there just seems to be something fundamentally um short on maturity with Jared that we have to wait and see if if that's going to play out it's just sometimes these guys don't realize just how brief their time to be in great shape in the NBA will last. And he could wake up at 28, 29, and finally have the maturity and only have two seasons where his body um, can be made to work because of the toll it's
1: taken in the previous seven. I mean, for example, Jared's going to make $5.6 million this year. <laughs> Your guy, our guy uh, there. A zella i got tyler zella. Yeah, you heard me go zella i was like oh no i did zella you, you can tell it's a new england podcast folks we drop our ours liberally here um you know he's making eight million <laughs> you know if Z- Z- zeller couldn't even find the floor you know no matter what happened last year sullinger Played a pretty substantial role, and, and rebounding still remains a need. He's making five point six, you know, so you could tell the Celtics were done. Not only did they cut ties with him beforehand, but they they gave Zeller you know two point four million than uh, than even they gave to than Toronto gave to Solinger. So, look, all my point was really to go back is. There's sometimes there is quite a bit you can learn about your team for media day. As fun as, and silly as it can be, you know, the balls and the crazy – you're right. It's, it's kind of lunacy. But there are some things you learn, and I'm not really sure what things we'll learn this year. Maybe we will learn. We'll get read some tea leaves about what's going to happen with James Young, what's going to happen with, uh, you know, maybe R.J. Hunter. The guys at the end of the bench, there are two guys who are on this team right now at least, who will not be <laughs> members of this team a month from now. Is it Ben Bentel? It doesn't sound like it's Demetrius Jackson. They gave him a pretty good salary. So, Gerald Green, a lot of choices. Will there be a trade? We shall find out.
0: Well, I don't, we're not going to see a trade for a little while, but you certainly have to think that there might be one on on deck. You know what we are going to hear about? And you already threw your little jab at me with KD. But we are going to be hearing about that because a lot of people have been talking about it. Hey look Look at Avery Bradley. I mean, he comes out. It's kind of a small, minor event. And then he mentions, oh, yeah, you know, me and me and KD were boys, but I didn't really talk to him about it. That one flew under the radar in the offseason. I expected a lot more uh, scrutiny for that. And you almost wonder how much that chase is still going to come up on media day. And Al Horford, when it came to that free agency period, really was like, all right, good, check that box. Now let's get Kevin Durant. And I know he's a huge addition, but he was sort of left in the dust. Or I don't, you know, it wasn't really left in the dust, but you know what I mean? He didn't get his due as far as how important that signing is going to be for the Celtics this season. So then we're going to get to media day, and I just wonder how much more overshadowed that conversation. Then it will get put to rest. But there's sort of this, let's bring everybody up to speed as to what's happened in the offseason, tone to a lot of the interviews in media day. And then there's things like, how do you think Jalen Brown's going to mesh? How do you think Al Horford's going to mesh? Because those are the two big off season acquisition so to speak one's an acquisition one's a draft pick but they're the new guys on the block there'll be a ton of focus on jalen brown and al horford
1: there will be no i i think you're absolutely right about that i think al al is i think he because it was all in that weekend right it was you know we were, we were all in on horford and then all of a sudden it was well now they're going to meet with duran and then horford says he's going to go and we're feeling really good and oh what a yeah, you and I were talking about a roller coaster. It, it I was, was off
0: my rocker. I was so bought oh into that. But you know what? I mean, Tom Brady went to the meeting. Come Absolutely. on. How do you not get a little overexcited no. when an NFL icon goes to the meeting to tell Kevin Durant just how big it is? And then you had Kelly O'Linick and a tie-dye. I mean, playing the part of Bill Walton to a T. <laughs> to a T. And it's just it's it's fantastic. So how do you not expect? I mean, if you're Kevin Durant... You should have signed right then and there. I've got I've got one of the most you know, an athlete that I that I look up to, that I love, somebody that I follow, and he actually takes time. He's not even on this team. He takes time out to come and see me. How do you do that, to And I don't want to turn this about Kevin Durant. It's going to play out. The conversation will be ongoing throughout the year. I'm certain of it. But I can't wait until we get a chance. I mean, when we did the offseason forecast, the summer forecast with Forsberg, you know, I, I looked at that game later in the year against golden state as as a big marker because by that point al Harf, al horford should be blended in and avery bradley just plays such good defense on steph curry
2: very
1: true very true um i think if there's a big deal though i i i, I continue to believe bradley is the guy that goes that's I'm just, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm kind of staking out my territory right here now. I think Bradley's the guy that's most likely to be traded of, of any of the, the core players in this team. Um, is there likely to be a trade? Probably not, of a, of a high caliber, I'm saying. But that game will be interesting. I'm still, I'm not any further of, away from where I was in the immediate aftermath of the Kevin Durant deal, which is, I think this year is going to be a lot harder for the Golden State Warriors than people think. We saw it happen with Miami. We saw it really happen in Cleveland. Um, I think Golden State's going to see that same problem this year. I think it's going to be very difficult to meld those personalities, the shots. Um, you know, you've 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 thrown these people together. I think that that's going to be an issue. And, and I do believe Durant's going to be back out there. I I don't think. I don't think it will be just an obvious thing that he'll return. You know, I think it, it, it could be like this year where a lot of people thought he was gonna go back to Oklahoma City. I think it could be there. But I know we don't wanna to go to down that road. We we'll have plenty of time to talk about Golden State. Oh, but and this, we will because it'll start
0: will. it'll start to play out and then we'll have something to talk about. At this point, it's sure. all right, let's let's evaluate the chemistry. The interview that hasn't run yet for the off season interview series, one of them that's already been recorded is Eric Weiss, and he's living now back out in the Bay State air I mean the the bay area where he'll have an opportunity to see it firsthand so he'll certainly be on the show and we'll we'll get some insight into how that's playing out once we have some games to really evaluate do they come out rusty do they come out you know grooving and then tail off as teams begin to see what they're doing it'll it'll play out as as we watch the season I'm excited to it Excited to see it in league pass I'll definitely be getting not just the Celtics league pass because I want to watch Philly I want to watch Golden State for sure and I want to watch the Celtics among some other choice games here and there but this might be a season where I watch more college basketball and more NBA outside of Celtics games than ever before. But let John, we've got to get to like a Marcus Smart who's going to start in right. the front court. And Absolutely. we have to get to um, and Jalen Brown. That Those are probably the other three things that are really going to come out in Celtics Media Day. But first, just real quick to let you guys know that Fan Essentials is one of our two main sponsors here on Celtics Stuff Live. How would you like to get all your favorite NBA teams merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Just go on over to fanessentials.net. You pick your favorite sports team, which just has to be the Celtics. And every month, you get team gear shipped right to your door. They find amazing sports sports gear so you don't have to and the fan box is going to come fully packed with some great gear it makes an awesome gift idea for any sports fan with prices starting at just 34.99 and a reminder that you can support Celtics Stuff Live with your with your first subscription, but we're going to help you save 30% that first month by using promo code CSL2016 at the checkout. Go to fanessentials.net to get all the essentials you need. And a reminder that we're giving away one free month each week to one of our listeners, so stay tuned. Later in the show, we'll be announcing that, but all you have to do to enter is retweet our show announcement with the hashtag fanessentials. Make sure you're following csl Tweet live so uh, at CSL underscore tweet live so we can send you a direct message with details about how to claim your prize. So stay tuned. Later in the show, we will be announcing this week's winner. John, where do you want to start? You want to start with the front court rotation? Do you want to start with Marcus Smart, or do you want to go with Jalen Brown?
1: Let's go to the front court because I don't think we're going to be able to figure anything out there. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'll be not. honest with you. I've got I've got Horford and then question mark, because let's I don't see how we can figure out who's going to play next to him. I don't want to see really Amir start. I, I think that Amir, uh, I think it would be great to have a little bit more scoring. I think in an ideal world, I'd love to see Kelly next to Horford. I'd love to have that kind of ability to... Match Horford with Olenek and and put those two together and and get Olenek kind of going. I think he needs a kick in the pants this year a bit. Uh, unfortunately, the shoulder thing is really going to hold him back. Um, I think if it's not Olenek, it probably is Amir. That's my sense of things. And then Jonas Drebko is is probably the the fourth guy. And I think they're going to really work four guys. Could a Jordan Mickey slide in there? I think it's more likely. That, that he slides in, honestly, than Zeller. But it could be a matchup thing. Um, but it depends. Gonna, it,
0: for Mickey, just real quick, it depends on yeah. his jump shot because we know he was working on it. If right. he can hit the jump shot and not look so lost on defense – then you're right, he could slide in there. I mean, We know he has the length and the shot-blocking ability, but there were times last year where he was just lost on the court, and you thought with everything that we were seeing with the main red closet, he'd translate quicker, and then it comes out that maybe the nerves were eating him up. So I think maybe if he spends more time with the pro club in the locker room and traveling and going through some of that, it'll be norm- more normalized when he gets on the court.
1: I, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think that that's... That would be the hope for me, because I think that mickey if Mickey takes some minutes away from from Amir uh I think that'd be the best of all worlds because remember a year ago he was coming off a dynamite summer league performance he had an okay year I mean he had an okay year at at, at maine uh but really didn't have a chance to to break through with this, that log jam in the front court. <laughs> With a trade, I think he's another another one of these guys like Terry Rozier that really stands to, to, to be able to use that opportunity to fill that and, and to make a name for himself. Until there is a trade, he's really stuck a bit. But if he can ha- maybe have some good performances here in the preseason and others aren't able to find their footing, Olynyk is slowed with the shoulder, Perhaps he can carve some time out. I don't know. His opportunities of defending the glass and and really being a rim protector really put him in a really good position as we move into this era that we're currently in with rim protection and three-point shooters
0: yeah he he's rangy which is a benefit to him i think you're right though as far as the front court rotation and i said this in the summer forecast as well but i really believe it'll be amir johnson and al horford mostly because of the focus on defense look at what a mess they were last year in the front court, even defensively. It just wasn't where it needed to be to start the season, and they were messing around with lineups, and David Lee uh, came in not in game shape, but he was getting 10 to 12 minutes even more to start out the year. I think Brad's going to go with, okay, Al Horford, is going to be able to be able to plug in by the end of training camp. He's one of the elder statesmen on the team. He has the veteran savvy, and he just happens to fit the style of play that's going to be there. So he's going to be able to contribute right out of the gate. And then you put Amir at center because, A, he's rested. The plantar fasciitis is unlikely to hit him at the beginning of the season. It could after training camp or at some point through training camp, but it's a lot less likely. I think they're going to get some of their better minutes as they did last season at the beginning and the end of the year from Amir Johnson. I think there will be some scenarios where matchups might justify starting Jonas Jarebko, and in the postseason last last year against the Hawks, he really kind of showed that he might earn some of those minutes. I think Kelly Olenek, by virtue of the shoulder injury and because I think he needs to play on that second unit because... Now we have Al Horford to space the floor, and is a little bit rangy from the four. And I do see long term the benefits of him and Kelly together. I just don't think that Brad's going to be ready to do that defensively until a little bit, a little bit later in the year. Um, keeping, keeping somebody like Olenek, I almost see him doing a rotation where, when the first substitution happens, Olenek comes in, and Johnson goes out, and then um, they move. They move. Uh, or actually, maybe Horford goes out too, and they bring in somebody like Brown and move Crowder over to the four, and then have Olinick to continue spacing the floor. But I, you know, if, if Brown's going to be coming in off the bench and he's getting any kind of minutes, <laughs> Olinick has to be the center then, because they can't have yeah. that shooting pressure on him that well, early.
1: Yeah, and, and well, that's and that's a great point because the other the other point about that too is in. This kind of dovetails in the the other the third leg of of your you know your question, which is is Smart. If Smart doesn't start, I don't mean to rhyme that, but it's just the way it worked out. <laughs> if Smart doesn't start, <laughs> basically they're in a spot where you're going to have your second unit be, unit is going to be Smart and and possibly Jalen Brown. And maybe Gerald Green, maybe it's uh, they go, they, you know, they, it's Terry Rozier. Um, but you're going to need scoring, and so having Kelly out there and having Jonas out there that really kind of opens things up for Marcus, and that might be you know a best spot for him. I ultimately like to see him starting. I would like to see him in the starting unit. I think he deserves that. I think he's earned that. But you're going to have Bradley off the bench. That I, I just don't. You know that did work for a period of time last year, but I I don't think. Are you sure you're helped.
0: that confident that Marcus Smart has earned the opportunity to start?
1: Yeah, I really? think Marcus. I think Marcus Smart is a winner. I think he's. I think he deserves a lot of a lot more time. I think that as his play improves, uh, I think I think he's a better player out there. Honestly, and I think as good as Avery Bradley has been. I think that Marcus Smart is is not that far behind and is certainly trending in a more upward trajectory as his career goes.
0: All right, well, uh, you know I'm just as much of a fan of Marcus Smart as yeah. you are, 100%. Yeah. But if yeah. he is that deserving of the starting nod then yeah. maybe Isaiah Thomas is the one that's more likely to be traded and I know that sounds ridiculous but I'm just saying if you're if you're in that stance I would almost say you would want to keep Avery Bradley I know I know that Isaiah can work off ball but that backcourt defense if you're telling me that that Marcus Smart can generate the offense that's required from that position by passing running pick and roll and shooting and see I as much as I love Marcus and I agree I think he's a winner and I think he's going to get there I'm still hesitant to say that he's deserved the opportunity to start I think he deserves plenty of opportunities to close games but I'm not 100% certain until he gets the shot in order and I don't mean to go all cliche with that criticism because you know I'll throw plenty of plenty of fireballs at just torching him for not being able to hit the three ball. But he does have to get his ability to score needs to be a little bit more versatile before he can truly be a starter. Defensively, he's there. I love the fact that he could guard Porzingis and he could guard four, four positions, and he really is a one, which is just ridiculous. It's unheard of. But, but, I'm not ready to say that he's earned it above the other players on the team yet uh but but does he could he be the starting point guard if other players traded and brought back the right kind of pieces to continue pushing the talent level upwards? Sure, that might be a possibility but i I don't think I don't think people are ready to see Isaiah Thomas leave yet; he is just so beloved by Celtics fan base, and so that's always going to put. Smart slash Bradley in, in some sort of a crunch.
1: Well, I think Brad, Bradley is the one that I think is, is is really much more ill-fitting, I suppose. Um, but you think Marcus deserves to start over Bradley then? It's well, really... I, I think that he's going to be a better player, and I think that... He, Perhaps even by the end of this year, he could be the better player. I think that his shooting will, will, will improve simply because of the fact that he hasn't dislocated three of his fingers this summer. So he should be in the lab working on his shot. I think that Bradley, as as good as we all think he is, a shooter, he's still only an average three-point shooter. I mean, it's Which not, is above it's, average on this Celtics on, team. On this team, it's... Yeah, yeah I know, he gets the gold star, but, you yeah, so, <laughs> know, it's like... Man, compared to what, dude? Like, I think Isaiah, I don't see them moving on from Isaiah unless they're going to get a Paul George or, you know, somebody of the, you're really remaking who this team is around that type of player. And and somebody's going to be ball dominant, uh, James Harden, you know. I don't think they're moving Isaiah for anybody less than that at this point, because he's just so important for everything that they do, and, and and he does the one thing that very few people on this team can do, which is score the basketball. So, to me, he's kind of almost off the table. And yeah, Marcus- here's,
0: so here's the thing, though: if you're making a, if you're taking a stance, right? They brought in, and here's the pinch: Isaiah Thomas is a short point guard, so there's still a window here. I mean, I love him; he's playing way above what anybody could have expected and right. then you've got Al Horford who's 30 and there's a window there but i think he's a smart player so i think he'll be able to contribute and because of the leadership and because of the character he's worth the money even if his play does fall off you know in the last year of the contract or whatever but my yep. point is is there's a window so if the emphasis is Marcus Smart's going to be a better player long term and the dis- the discussion is around let's play the young players who have the best higher ceiling to sacrifice wins this year then Yeah, but then why not just trade Isaiah Thomas at that point and give the minutes and take the hit? You've got Terry Rozier to back up, right? So it's not like the guard depth would be in a shambles. Now, I agree the shooting takes a huge precipitous drop-off, but my point is you're not going to trade Isaiah Thomas at any point over the next few years where he would have any more value than he has today. He's peak value right now. Now, if, if that means that... You know, we're going to take a dip, then it's sort of like, why did you get Al Horford? And I think that's where the crunch comes in terms of A.B. Bradley's only 25. He is still really young. He's got five solid years. And even as an average shooter, he has a lot to contribute to this club because he was, again, that defense on Steph Curry. He could become all, he could be one of the best defenders that we see on this Celtic squad over the next five to six years.
1: Well, I th- yeah, I think he, I think he is. I mean, I think he's, he's definitely, he has that ability. the The problem is, is that I Bradley, mean, he holds it. He
0: kind of already is, but I mean, he, he can hold that position defensively. Maybe Marcus Smart but, edges him a little bit, but they're going to be, you know, tit for tat. They're they're going to be side by side.
1: Right. Right. Well, the difference that the difference that Smart has in that that Bradley doesn't is that I think he's a better team defender. I think Bradley's a great one-on-one defender. I don't think he's as great a team defender and he doesn't have the positional flexibility that Smart has. And that's, that to me, if Smart can get his shot right and can be a, a threat, even just 15 to 19 feet, which I know isn't the shot that people want, but he needs people to be able, he, you know, he needs to be able to get that range so that at least he, people have to respect his jumper. If he can get that, and he can, he can get to the bucket and create free throw opportunities for himself, which he really hadn't been able to do until the end of last season, if he can get there, then he's to me he's more valuable than Bradley. Now, does that mean he's a better trade chip? I think you have a great point. There is a roster crunch. Bradley's deal is up. Let's not remember. Bradley's got two years left. He's got this year and next year. So, we this period we're in right now where we have low contracts with him and, and, and Jay Crowder, there's a finite period of time and we, we shouldn't kind of wish it away, but, but there is a period of time here that now we're talking about. Could it be that we're, we go all in with the Jalen Browns and the, and the Marcus Smarts of the world? It's possible. Seems unlikely, given you just gave $140 million or whatever it was to Al Horford, 100, $120 to Al Horford, but there is a, there is going to have to time to make a choice here.
0: Well, and, and, and there's a draft pick
1: coming in too. So
0: right. if there aren't substantial trades to be had, then you're you've got to sit with that with that pick, and then maybe you are making more of a full on youth movement. I don't think you can look. I, I here's the thing between Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford. Al Horford is going to be able to be a contributor just by virtue of his position and his age and his experience to this club, and they're just not – even the draft that's coming up, it's not like there's a glut of power forwards and centers, and this team has always been short in the front court in terms of depth and ability. So that one is a little – but but the guards and the way that Danny just continues to draft guards, they'll always be – a glut of guard so you could make a full-on youth move and still stay competitive and find plenty of reasons to be paying Al Horford every bit of coin that he's getting in this contract what may be a struggle is justifying bringing out the Brinks truck for Isaiah Thomas when his contract comes up and at that point again Danny is known to make moves before players' value drops off. and that's how we wound up in this position with all of these Brooklyn picks. And certainly that could become something that Danny uh, recognizes early. I'm just the way that Isaiah has endeared himself to the Boston and Massachusetts and New England community, it would not it, it won't be met with the same anger and frustration as the Antoine Walker trade, but I have a feeling there'll be a strong response if there was a move to send Isaiah Thomas out of town, no matter who comes back. All right, real quick, before we get back into it, we've got to take a quick break for our sponsor, Audible.com. We're going to hear a word from them. They're our newest sponsor. And then, John, I definitely want to hear what you have to say, but I didn't know we were going to get so meaty with this conversation. And It's just media day. (laughs) This is supposed to be a fluff show, but here we We are, rocketed right into it. It's media day on media day. (laughs) All right. We'll be right back after this word from Audible.com. All right, John, I hated to cut you off so quick. We were right into it hard uh, before we went to that quick word from Audible.com, our newest sponsor. Definitely, uh, Celtic, Celtic stuff, live fans, please support them. John, here's the thing, though. Truly, don't you think Isaiah Thomas is a much more tradable
1: tip chip than maybe we realize? Yeah, I think so. I think he is a much more tradable chip. I mean, he's still got that low salary. I think there's a lot of teams he can help. I mean, the challenge we face face with him is just that it seems over the last few years there's a lot of point guards, a lot of good point guards in the league. But having said that, you know, at some point, you know, the Brandon, Jack- the Brandon Jennings of the world kind of fall by the wayside. And you start looking around at how many guys are left standing. Is Gordon Dragic still viewed the same way he was two years ago? Um, you know, Rondo has fallen off. And, you know, you look all around the league, and there, I think this is a year where people might stand around and say, well, geez, you know, maybe there aren't as many point guards around as we had thought. Derek Rose, you know? I mean, again, some of the recent trades for for point guards haven't gone well, but maybe this is the year people realize that there is there's some there there aren't as many good ones out there as as we all thought. So, yeah, I I just I think I find it hard to believe they'll move on from him easily, uh unlike Antoine, well, it's he's playing like, it's he's putting the ball. cart
0: ahead of the horse and this and the reason I bring it sure. up and the reason it came up is because we were talking about expectations for Marcus Smart and you were putting Bradley down the line versus isaiah thomas and i and i see why and i do think that isaiah thomas is a much needed cog in the offense and he's an inspirational leader he's an inspiration to fans and the players alike and i'm not down on isaiah thomas remember at the beginning of last season i said he should be our sixth man he should be coming off the bench and then all of a sudden he's an all-star i don't know how you can get down on isaiah and i don't i'm not trying to do hot take stuff here i'm just saying I don't think it's as much of a no-brainer as even we talked about at the end of last season that if Smart emerges and in this third year having a full healthy off-season, if he makes the le- leap that you and I predicted and that crunch just becomes even greater because Terry Rozier played awesome in summer league and now Marcus Smart's demanding minutes and they have to find a way to get him. I don't think it's as much a no-brainer as it was when we were talking about the Jimmy Butler trade before the draft to shuttle Avery Bradley out of this scenario. And you do make a great point about positional flexibility, and they tried to make Avery a lot more flexible. You can see Marcus Smart and Isaiah Thomas both working on and off the ball. And that being much more fluid than maybe Avery Bradley because the point guard experiment with Avery didn't happen. And Marcus can even go to the three. So if Terry, let's pretend we did trade Avery Bradley, or it doesn't matter. Either one, Isaiah Thomas or Avery Bradley's on the court with Terry Rozier, you can still have Bradley, I mean, you can still have Smart at the three. Like that positional flexibility absolutely secures Marcus Smart. A spot, I think. I just don't think it's such a no-brainer who gets moved out if he makes the leap.
1: Yeah, you know, I agree. I don't. I don't think it's a no-brainer. I, to me, if if I have a choice and I can give up, yeah, because I give up one of those guys. That, the guy that I'd rather give up is Bradley because I think. One, you're gonna to have to pay him pretty quickly, and two, I think he's got some value across the league. Um, I think there's a lot of teams you could plug him in on, and he'd be a huge benefit here. The need is scoring because there's so many guys who do other things. And if with Isaiah, if you did find a point guard, a great point guard, you can move him to a six-man role, and he could he could flourish in that. It's a little bit harder to bring great defense off the bench, in my mind. You know, I think you want to be able to tie people down usually in your first unit. After that second, you want your sixth guy to be a guy who lights it up generally. So anyway, I, I think. But going back to just taking a half a step back when we were talking about the front court and how it all fits, I really think the way Brad Stevens thinks about things, he's going to look in a, in a much more, what is this team on, on the floor? What can they do? Do we have enough space out there for our guys to be able to do what we want to do? And if Jalen Brown, your guy, your boy, your boy Jalen Brown, let's not forget that you called this shot. The he shot is was absolutely called. my boy. I will you still call be objective. The shot. I will still you were be objective. the guy. <laughs> you made it. You were the A number one booster. At, you know in, in the pool and household I, I think you should get a cut of his first his first check. I gotta be honest I think this is I think there's something there and if he's part of this then you've got to build a second unit around a guy that can't shoot right now. Right? I mean, and that's how you're going to get the let's most out of Let's just wait until he's played some minutes. I know what happened in college. I'm just going to say,
0: before we just say he can't shoot, let's see him with our own eyes game in and game out. Let's see how he gets worked into the offense. Because even if he can't shoot, if he's able to do a little bit of what he did at Summer League and get to the free throw line, because he made free throws. I mean, I'm not going to say he shot perfect, but he made free throws. I mean, it's not like having Shaq out there where you get to the line and then, you know, you're not hitting you're not hitting those shots. He manufactures offense. And so let's just, I agree, We can if we want to say that right now, that's fine. We can say it. I know Ryan Bernadone would definitely say it, but I'm just saying let's watch him play a little bit before we absolutely go, the dude can't shoot.
1: Okay, you're right. You're
0: right. I, I, I can't believe you think, conceded that to me. That was not the
1: answer I expected. <laughs> well, well, no, you're right. We should see. Well, th- You know how I think. I am a show-me-see-me, very you know, methodical guy here. However, I think we do know enough to say that when NBA defenses are going to be built, they're going to give Jalen Brown as much space as he wants if he's going to stand at the 23-feet three-point arc. They're going to give him that. To start with, because they're not going to care if he wants to take that shot, and he's going to have to prove it to them. Right? So, the, the natural intuition of every NBA defense is clog the paint, then come out to three. I think that he's going to have to earn that a bit. I, now, my prediction for his first year is Tony Allen. Tony Allen, 2004, I think he's going to be better than TA, but he made a lot. He made a, he made his his name off of locking guys down and put back dunks, weak side rebounding, that sort of thing. I think that he's got more dribble game than Ta did, and I think he's gonna be able to get to the cup. But I think that that's the guy we're looking at. Is is a really a Tony Allen type, a little bigger, a little bit more. You know, the game's a little bit different now, but he needs guys to work with him to open things up. If he's the only guy out there then he's never going to get to the basket. It's going to be a nightmare.
0: Yeah, I don't think that the rotations necessarily are going to be dictated by best player on the court. I mean, you're kind of going down that road, but I think how they mesh and how they play together is going to be much more of a focus with Brad Stevens. And Brad is very much that way. Like, he's not afraid... To do that if he thinks that's what's the the right move he he really has a good grip on the locker room where maybe it doesn't come back to bite him and the guys are also a lot of them are still young and just establishing their careers so they they really don't have they may believe that they deserve more playing time or deserve to be the guy taking the biggest shot or whatever but at the end of the day they really haven't gotten to a point in their career where they can unequivocally say they've earned it. And so that's giving Brad some of that flexibility too. The guys that have... Real big egos may present a challenge at some point. When you talk about trades, that's when that'll be put to the test. But in the meantime, there's a luxury for that, and so they'll be. We'll see it in training camp. They'll be trying to figure that out. But I think it goes back to the front court. I mean, the guard play is going to be obvious. Marcus Smart's coming off the bench at first. If he starts hitting those shots and he earns his way into the starting lineup, we might see some things get shifted. But I think. If Brad's smart, he's going to roll with the starting lineup that he had last year, especially in the backcourt. And then he's going to sub out Jared and put in Al Horford. And then maybe, cause how many games, they went what, 4-4? Four and four? so Or like 5-7? sevens, like something like that at the beginning of last season. They lost oh, yeah. games that they shouldn't have lost because the chemistry was there. I don't think he's going to take that gamble this year.
1: Well, you know, I'm going to say this now, and I believe this. The Celtics are one. I think. The, I believe they're very seriously one injury away from being in the NBA Finals this year. I really believe that. Now, has it ever happened? Has 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 LeBron James done so much as even you know get a fingernail, you know, a hangnail? No, of course not. But the Celtics are in a position to be legitimately one injury away from being a final NBA finalist this year. So you're right. They need to prepare for for that now they need to be good and they I think they will be good I think they they don't have those they're not going to have those chemistry issues will be maybe I don't think it's gonna be hard to fit Al Horford into what they're doing it's not like David Lee David Lee did things did things well that he does well but he didn't do them well here because he was out of shape and still partying from you know (laughs) Golden State's win the year before but I think Hal Horford is going to fit in beautifully, and it's really going to be just a very symbiotic, very you know positive situation. I mean, the, the rotation changes very little. You are going to take Evan Turner out of this, out of that role, and the second unit is going to have to find a distributor, a playmaker, and I think Marcus Smart fills that role, and I think he's going to be just fine in that role. Um, I think Terry Rozier could assist in that role. I think Terry Rozier personally. Is really the unsung hero. I think he really is the guy that everyone's going to be surprised with this season. I was left flabbergasted, not just by how well he played in the, in the playoffs, but then taking that on. I mean, Summer League, he was a man amongst boys out there. By efficiency, by PER, he was the best player in NBA Summer League. Terry Rozier, the 16th pick that Absolutely. everybody, yourself, my, myself included, panned, hated the pick. Why we get another guard? What an idiot! I think he's gonna be great. I think he's gonna be great, and we need and again we need trades to open up time so these guys can flourish. And I think he really would flourish here.
0: Yeah, I think he would too. And um, it's this whole it's they're just jammed. You know, no matter what, at some point these players are going to come to a. It's going to come to a head. You if Terry Rozier is anything at all. What you just said, he might be. Then there's just no room. Even if you traded Isaiah Thomas, eventually
1: there's no room, right? Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. There is no room. And, and 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 Rozier, I think, is a guy. He he can play off the ball a little bit. I, I think he can play on the ball. He can bring the ball to the cup. He can pass. He can defend. He does. He does. He is like. We went in a lab. We took a little bit of Smart. Took a little bit of Bradley. We took a little bit of Thomas. We mixed them up. And we had a little bit of freakish athleticism, and Terry Rozier is what we got. You know, he's kind of like a little bit of everyone. So if you lose one of those guys for whatever reason, he's going to be able to to fill that role whether permanently as a part of trade or or via injury. So he's really a, a perfect complement to those three backcourt players. I just don't know. I don't think there's any other room. I don't think Demetrius Jackson is going to have an opportunity, but I think he's a guy who could who could really step up as well. I think if he's given an opportunity as a third guard in this league, he could he could do well. Um, they, they're just overloading the backcourt, and they've they've got to find a way to to mix that up. They've got to add some players in the wing. They're going to add some players uh, in the front court who who could really play. Unfortunately. No one wants to trade with Danny Ainge right now, but they've got opportunities. They've and that got may a great- not
0: change. That may not change because right. at the end of the day, if the players don't get time to go prove themselves, guys like Terry Rozier, it's going to be hard to be trading them because Danny's going to know – how much more value they have to the Celtics than anybody else is recognizing. So the way that these guys become tradable is they play and showcase themselves, and that's going to be really hard to do in some scenarios without having to give up players that they don't want to give up.
1: Couldn't have said it better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's why sometimes you make a trade for the sake of making a trade. You know, and to open some time up for the guys who need it, and it's it's less that you're going to get real value or, or appropriate value for Which a guy is why like me. I, I go Bradley, back to Isaiah Thomas. Thomas.
0: That's why I just. I'm just preparing myself because I really love the guy. That whole story about him, you know, driving, uh, I can't remember where they were leaving. They were were leaving an event, and he was on his way home from the event, and he saw a kid in the park playing, you know, shooting by himself because it had rained, and nobody wanted to go out, and then... Isaiah and his wife just pull over and he gets out and plays ball. I mean, how can you not love this guy? And yet, I just, I'm telling you, if I have a prediction, it's the sneak attack that Isaiah's the one that gets traded. If these guards, either Rozier or Marcus Smart, show that they really deserve the opportunity to to, to begin their careers as a starter and be on the floor, you know, 30, 30 plus minutes a game that then, then I can see that happening. And Danny's going to want to do it before it's obvious to the rest of the league that the Celtics want to do that with one of either of Rozier or Marcus Smart as well. So that's I know why you go Bradley, but I, I'm just I predicted Jalen Brown. So be forewarned, you know, get ready to be uncomfortable because if that trade happens, <laughs> I, I, I really well, feel unfortunately
1: I, that he, he will be the one. The, the nice thing I think is if it is if it is that they are going to trade Isaiah Thomas, I think the guy they get in return is somebody who's such a uh, such a solid step up above Isaiah Thomas that I think we'd quickly forget it. Honestly, I think we'd be sad for a moment, just like we were with the loss of of, of Al Jefferson, but it ended up paying great dividends in the end. Kind of tying back to our first conversation, so I think uh, you know I hear you, and I you know I know I think you're right. I think there would be a lot of sad folks, but the only way I think you can make a marginal improvement by trading Bradley and feel okay with that, I'm not sure that you you trade Isaiah for a marginal improvement. You know, I think they'd they'd have to get somebody big. He's an all star. You know, he's he's uh, you know. But he's on a timetable, just like Bradley is. They're both. His they're
0: va- when I say his value is at its highest, I'm not saying it's, it's extremely high value either. I I think if he is moved, that I don't think people are going to like the deal. I think Danny's going to make a smart one that doesn't prove itself to be a good move until down the road. I don't I don't think that upgrade is available to us if if Isaiah is the one that gets moved. But you know what? We got tons of time to talk about it, and thank goodness we 're now going to have training camp under the way underway tons of quotes so after today after after media fluff day then we 're going to start to get into it a little bit. Uh, our favorite writers and uh, talk show hosts, etc are going to be t- you know there 's going to be there 's going to be tons of fodder so when we get come back next monday we 'll be getting into it a lot more, but I think we covered essentially all of the major topics are going to play out in training camp, setting the table for the season, and as I mentioned earlier, we do have to announce the FanEssentials.net winner for this week. The the uh, the, the retweeter of hashtag FanEssentials of one of our show announcements is Marco Ramius at 7Bacon, so congratulations. You've won a free month from FanEssentials.net. Don't forget to check your DM on Twitter so that we can give you the information that you're going to need to be able to redeem your prize john it is so good to have you
1: back my man it's good to be back i've got months stored up you've you've been holding down the fort here let's let's get it on let's get the season going let's get this meaty meaty media day thing happening and uh hey let's let's do this man i love it So fire it up, fire it up. I think we're going to roll with the Chad Finn interview
0: on Thursday and then the Eric Weiss interview the following Thursday. Hopefully Mark Spears the Thursday after that. We're going to experiment with this, John. We've done kind of two a days during the offseason interview series right up until the technical difficulties. So just you and I on Monday morning, just you and me uninterrupted, unabated Celtics stuff live to tape our take, going out every Monday morning, and then accompanied by an interview because our shows are getting to an hour and a half. They're just long. So we're going to cut them down a little bit. You and I are going to be able to flesh out all the topics we want to get to on Monday to kick off everybody's week. Then we'll, we'll throw on an interview. So that's how that's going to go through the rest of preseason. And then we mentioned we'll close it out with Earl Lloyd four Thursdays from, from now. Everybody, just a, a huge thanks for listening to the show. We're so excited to get... Some time with these players on the floor to begin to really evaluate this and have conversations. And and John and I definitely have some disagreements already. These are, there are some budding Rondo level discussions to be had this year, John.
1: Oh, it's going to get great
0: it's oh, going to get
1: gonna
0: dirty. <laughs> you played dirty. nice today. I expected you to shoot me down harder in a couple of areas because I, I knew there were points of contention. But it, it's, and you did throw a couple out at me. There was a couple of burns. So I think it's going to get, you know, it, it's going to get a little fired up. Maybe it'll be like, uh, you know, like KG said, a bar fight bar fight, bar press, fight, the most impressive performance of, of the year. It's a bar fight, fight bar fight,
1: bar <laughs> <career>. fight. <laughs> oh, sorry, <Ball> fight. <laughs> we're interviewed now. now. Fight, <laughs> if you keep you going with go that, that's what he says. I'm sorry, Craig. I forgot. We were, we're interviewing me. Fight. Yeah, no, yeah, we're playing it.
2: Oh, great. Here it is. I forgot you was doing an interview. Go ahead.
0: I forgot you was doing an interview. Go ahead. All right. So as we close it out, close it out. We gotta, we gotta give everybody, you know. KG was nice enough to put something out on Instagram. Just a big thank you. I mean, there was tons of stuff. He used to make fun of of Sager, and he told him to burn it. I, I had some audio queued up for that, as well as he did the Superman theme song, calling Paul Pierce Superman after a game. There's just so much stuff to say thank you to KG. But we're going to give KG just one quick listen here. This 30 seconds of we're just taking the audio from the Instagram post, but got to share it with all of our listeners just because so nostalgic for the KG era.
2: i was just thankful, man. I can't ever put that into words. I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful for everybody and the love. I never would have thought that people loved me like this, but for it to be reality, it's just something else, man. Man. We are going to be all right, man. I don't expect this to be easy. But so far, so good. Stay tuned.
0: All right. That from KG. No, KG. Thank you, my man, because honestly, memories were awesome. And you always had a flair for the dramatic, yet a great way of, of connecting with the fan base. And I I, I'm, I miss the man. I've missed him since he was traded to Brooklyn. But, uh, you know, if if Minnesota doesn't find room in his front office, I'm, I'm sure the Celtics could squeeze him in somewhere. As we close out, a reminder, the broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore Justin, and at CSL underscore duke a big thanks to everybody for tuning in and a reminder you can help support the show by subscribing to celtic stuff live on itunes and stitcher don't forget we'd love to get a rating and a review on our show because your feedback is important to us and a final reminder that today's show was brought to you by audible.com and fan essentials.net not only do they have a great deal for all of you listeners but you would be supporting our show and the network a huge thanks also, to the entire CLNS radio audience who makes it all worthwhile, and for staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS radio, Nick Gelso, and for my co host, John Duke, I'm Justin Pool, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
2: Celtic Stuff Live.